0: Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. To the message. The context is this: we're called to go, and we're going to go into the world. We're going to make it better, right? We're going to build people, and God says, "Use me to do that. Use me to do that." I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And so many would say, and, and we get to this place where we'd say, "Well, uh, I don't. I'm not sure what I was made for, Dusty. So this is kind of uncomfortable for me, anyways. But I can't do that, and I can't do that because of X, Y, Z. Because you don't know me or where I'm from or what I did and all that stuff. And I just want to say this." that God's presence in you is what's a, what allows you to go. It's God in you, it's God through you, and it'll be God through you next week, God in you today, if you want me to, uh, to, a little spoiler alert there. And so it's your presence in people's lives that makes the difference. It's you showing up and being salt and light to them. It's support that you give, it's compassion, it's compassion, it's empathy, it's encouragement, it's being exactly what they need in that moment. And so then, in that, it's God's presence in you that allows you to make that difference. It's got to be the light that's in you that comes out of you. It's Otherwise, it's something that we do because we know we should. Well, I should probably go over to Barry's house today because I know Barry's been battling with this, and if I go over there, that'll be good. Yeah, it will. It will, but if you're only going and it's disconnected from your heart, the impact there is going to be a little bit short, right? And so then, we're called to do two things. When we go, and, and I don't want to assume this because sometimes we come in and I just want to tell you that my hope for you as a pastor is that you would not only pray a prayer of salvation, that you would make Jesus your Savior, but that you would also make him the Lord of your life. And there are two, that's really kind of what we're going to dive into today. And it's easy to make Jesus Savior and not make him Lord. And when we do that, it's easy to go empty-handed and without, okay? And you need two things to move forward with God, to go with who you have. One, you need strength. And we see this in Nehemiah eight ten. it says, for the joy of the Lord is... My strength. And then in Philippians 2.13, it talks about God's spirit. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. His good purpose. When he's only my savior and not my Lord, it's my purpose, not his. We're going to dive into that a little bit. Here's why. Romans 15.13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that the power of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit will abound. Uh, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. When you overflow, that's when it gets on people. Salt and light, if that makes sense. And so then we're going to be in, in the commission. It's helping people get closer to God's will for their life. And he's going to use you to do that. Now, there are three types of God's presence. And I, I want to get super old school or super religious here but you have to understand this, and I want to talk about these three, because we're going to talk about two of them today. There's the omnipresence of God. Now, we all know this. This is God is everywhere all the time, and it's his business to be in your business, anybody's business he wants to be in, because he's the creator of the world, right? The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega. There's no place where God's knowledge and power do not exist. He is omnipresent. And if you want to know where, you can find this in Scripture. It's Psalms 139, It says, where can I go from you? David's asking God, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? You can't, God's omnipresent. Now, the second one I wanna talk about is the one that we kind of wrestle with. This is the inner presence of God. The inner presence of God. If you're taking notes, this is really solid stuff. This is when God's spirit comes to live in your heart when you actually receive Jesus as your savior. Everybody say savior. And in scripture, Jesus says he has been with you, but he will be in you is the point. This happens at salvation. You see this in 1 Corinthians 3.16, giving you a lot off the top, and so I hope you're tracking well. Do you not know and understand that the church, you, the body of believers, are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells permanently, this is the amplified version, dwells permanently in you collectively as a body and individually. Love that. I had three other scriptures to partner with this. I thought, well, this, is, this says it all. Thanks for the Amplified, Lord. And so then God's presence is in you if you call Jesus Lord. Now, here's the next one. This is the manifest presence of God or the third one. And this is where he makes his presence known among us. And so when we gather, he says, we're two more gather. I'll be there with them, right? In Genesis 3 this is just after Adam and Eve had sinned and they know something's up. They know something's wrong. They've, they now know that they're naked. They now know that stuff is messed up and they did what they were not supposed to. And it says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. His his presence was among them. In the afternoon breeze, come on with that springtime or that uh, that fall weather, Lord. In the afternoon breeze and of the day, so that that the man, which is Adam and his wife Eve, hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Now, that's his manifest presence. And we kind of walk in these two, the manifest presence of God and the inner presence of God. And if you're not saved, God's pre- the omnipresence of God is there anyways, okay? And so then, to go with who you have depends on how you see the Lord. Who is he in your life? Is he your Savior or is he your Lord? Is he both? I would hope that he's both. Now, this is where I feel that we've made a great mistake as the Capital C Church. As we lead people to salvation, it does a real good job for us because we say the Lord is moving and we add this tally mark over here but we don't help people make decisions and lead them to action in being a disciple or a follower of Jesus. That's the lordship word. Everybody say lordship. I had no other word. I I synonymed and I just couldn't do it, okay? And so we believe that we need to be saved, right? And so we accept the gift of salvation. And that's a little bit hard for us, but it's a free gift to receive. And so at some point, God brings us to that place where like, yes, I need, my way stinks. I need a better way. So yes, we'll receive the gift of salvation. The problem is, is we don't believe that we need help leading our lives, so we don't really receive the gift of the Savior, the presence. Everybody say presence. And so you need to know that we can ask Jesus to be Savior without making him Lord. Savior is a great start, right? Why? Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive my sin. Restore me to the Father. Pay my entry fee to heaven, please. Right. Write my name in the book of life. That's salvation. It's an amazing thing. The next step after salvation is asking Jesus to, one, save you from your sin, but to now be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the king of my heart. And the difference between salvation and lordship is really the difference between faith and work. It's faith and work. I believe enough to say, yes, be the savior of my life. Now, when I I pray that prayer of salvation, I now, when I give Jesus the the, the lead, the control, my heart, now my actions are going to speak for me. Does that make sense? Somebody say yes. Now, the Bible says faith without works is dead. I struggled with this for the longest time because I'm a doer. And so then I would do to do to say I did to check the box, to complete the list, to say, look at all I did. And it was all incomplete because it was disconnected from the will of God. It was Dusty's will and his list and what he created and not what God would have for me. And so then the Bible says faith without works is dead, but works disconnected from faith is dead too. Work disconnected from faith is dead too. And so salvation is a free gift. You're saved by grace. It's a free gift, right? We're going to talk next week about what that gift gives to you. It takes faith. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved, it doesn't say that Jesus will be your Lord. It just says you will be saved, Right? Lordship means you give God your heart and he rules your heart. This leads us to action, action. So then salvation has nothing to do with works. It's acceptance. It's receiving the gift. Discipleship, lordship is all about works. It takes heart. It leads us to action, but it's God in the lead, right? So our faith grows weak and our faith dies when we stop at salvation. I prayed the prayer, but Dusty, nothing's changed in my life. Everything is still going the same. I still got the same this, and the same this, and the same this, and I'm experiencing nothing different. And so our faith gets weak, and we go, did I really make the right decision? And the reality is God wants your heart. God's after your heart. He wants your heart. The first step to that is salvation, right? Where's my reward? Where's my reward? Well, your reward is heaven. Jesus paid the penalty for every sin on the cross, and so then you get heaven with that prayer of salvation. Living faith, though, is when God has authority in your heart, when you follow him, and you live as an example of who he is. This allows others to see that overflow, it spills onto people, it's good. So then salvation leads to lordship, not self-ship, right? What the difference in that is, is, it is now I have God, he is with me, and I'm going with who I have, as opposed to, well, I checked the box and I prayed that prayer, now, Lord, I hope, now, Lord, help me out. Do this for me, will you? It's not like that. It's not like that. Lordship means putting God in authority over everything in your life, which starts in your heart. God says, you can have everything on the external, but I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at your intentions. And self-ship means putting you in, in authority over everything in your life. Yeah, I did that. And God, thank you for saving my life. And I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Thank you so much for saving my life. But I got it from here. And if I need help, I'll holler. I'll let you know. And when you do that, when selfship is the goal, you work to fix everything instead of letting the Lord lead it. Instead of letting the Lord lead you through it. And so what I hope you see is that salvation without lordship leads to a lack of repentance. I don't need to, don't need to say I'm sorry. And I don't need to repent because I already did and he already paid it. Jesus paid it all, da-da-da, and we know that, right? And the stuff that we know in our heart limits us from allowing God to work. The stuff that we know in our head limits us from allowing God to work in our heart because we say, well, we did this and we have that date and that time, Right? And the always save mentality is, is the way that you live and lead. My grandparents were like this. And so when you live in that always save mentality, it is something that happened and was. Well, the farther that you get from that with the lack of relationship with God, the easiest for you to go, I don't need that anymore. Ah, sh- no, no. Bible time, really? Do I need to read the word? And so salvation without lordship leads us to sin, Right? because we say, well, we prayed, and then we make a mistake, and so then we stay out for three or four weeks until we can talk ourselves into coming back, right? And so salvation without lordship leads us to sin and to stay out of church, which leads us to stay away from the body of believers, because we get convicted, so we want to hide from his presence, because you know when you come here, even if you came here all by yourself, there's something different about gathering here. When you come here, you know, oh, I can't go there. I'm still not out of whatever that mistake, or whatever that decision is that I made, right? And when reality is this, the times that we blow it are the times we need God the most. The times that we make mistakes and that we sin and that we, the Bible says we all fall short. The Bible says nobody is perfect. The times that you fall short, the times that you make mistakes are the times that you need God the most. Those are the times that we lean in. Those are the times we need to be gathering and coming into the presence of God. And so then salvation with lordship leads you to lean in when you sin because of who he is in you. It's who he is in you. And so it's the one who is the Lord of your life, who is the king of your heart. When it's lordship and not selfship, you don't carry the guilt. It's not yours to carry. It's not yours to carry. And so this is when sin affects your heart and you willingly repent because you know that's what you're supposed to do, right? Because you know you need more of Jesus. And I obviously need more of Jesus because I still haven't overcome this hurdle. I still can't overcome this mistake. I need more of Jesus. And so then the reality of lordship is, I need you, Jesus. Selfship is, I need a solution. I got to figure this out. And so then you carry it. And the devil wants you to feel guilty, and he wants you to feel like a hypocrite, and he wants you to feel like everybody's against you when you do wrong. And so that's what leads us to stay disconnected. And what, what the reality is, is he wants you to give up, and he wants you to go back to what you were doing. If you could just do that, you're not a threat to him or to the kingdom of heaven. And so then if I can just keep you discouraged, then I know that you won't come back. And that's what the devil wants for you. But the Bible says that even when we blow it, we can enter the presence of God boldly because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of his blood. It doesn't say stay away and hide in shame because of your guilt. That's the devil. And that's what the devil wants for you. We call this ownership in our house. And the reality is this, own your guilt. Hey, what'd you do? Own it, confess it, say, I'm sorry. And, and it's over, and that's how it works with God. Hey, come before me, confess your sins to each other, say you're sorry from your heart, not just lip service, but make it real. We're words and actions, people, so then it's not just a sorry. And if you So then we are, I'm sorry for, you name it, right? And then we're going to give each other a hug, and sometimes those are the most pathetic hugs we see in our house. We're like, okay, we're just going to try this again until you mean it, okay? And so then come before, say I'm sorry, and, and it's over. It takes boldness to own a mistake, though. It's much easier to cower and to feel bad, to feel sorry for yourself and be like, man, just, I did it again. It takes boldness to walk into the presence of God. It takes boldness to walk with the presence of God. But to do that, he has to be the king of your heart. He has to be your Lord. He doesn't have to just be a decision that you made. He has to be a person that you walk with, a relationship that you established. And when you're walking in a relationship, others sense it and they say, hey, there's something different about you. I referenced last week, when God makes an impact in your life, when you experience Jesus, you leave different. People notice that. People notice that. And so God's called you to go with who you have. It's, it's because his spirit is enough. His spirit in you is enough. And so that you don't need money or a car or a position or a salary or a status or a reputation. You don't need any of that. You need none of that to go. You just need to let God have your heart. Let him be the Lord of your life. I want to give you an example of how this works for me. I'm going to give you two. One, we're talking about presence. And so then I was a pastor and there were many times I would come home for dinner and I would sit at the table with our family and eat dinner. We do this every night, by the way. And Heather would tap me on the arm and she'd go, hey, would you like to be with us? Would you like to join us for dinner? I was there physically, but I was not there. I had stuff to do. And it was an unhealthy time in my life, and I'm not proud of those moments. But I can't tell you, you did a lot. It was a lot. Hey, would you like to join us for dinner tonight? I'm here. We're having dinner, and I would always say, "I am." This is great. Heather's an amazing cook. That's why I look the way I do. And so, dinner's awesome. Here's the other. Here's here's the healthy side of that. And by the way, I'm not condoning any of this. I want to let you know that I'm about to talk to talk about alcoholism, and. Alcoholism was a big thing in my family growing up. It actually killed my biological father. And, whew, and I grew up in a church where it had done the same thing to my pastor. And so alcohol was a no-no. It was like, zero, you cannot do this. Matter of fact, if you're a pastor of this church and we catch you with any alcohol, you're fired. That's what we were told. And, so, and that was easy for me because I had saw it wreck my family. It's now wrecking my brother's life, if, we're, if I want to be real with you and all I can do is pray for my brother, Matt. That's all I can do because he's so far away from anything that might be the truth. And it started with Matt. It just started like it started with me. It started with one beer, just one beer. And that's how my dad told me he loved me, by the way. My dad did not um, ever say, I love you. My dad did not ever give me a hug. It was a very firm extended handshake. And once a month or so, he would say, hey, let's have a beer. Okay. And so I would, and that's how my dad told me he loved me. That was before I was 21, by the way. So I don't know if that gets anybody in trouble, but it should. And so, so we moved to Michigan. Now, that's the background of alcohol in my life, okay? We moved to Michigan, and I get invited to go to the bar with a group of guys, a group of eight guys. And they started inviting me in the spring, and I said no, and I said no, and I said no, and I said no because of what it was, one, in my family, and, and also what it was to me. Like, I knew, I knew the dangers of going, right? Because I saw what it did to my dad. And and so I wouldn't go. We come into uh, the fall and they stop inviting me. They stop asking me. It's been about six months now. And now Heather the whole time is telling me, hey, you really need to go. You really need to go. You really need to go. And I'm like, and so they stop asking me. And so I tell her one now, I'm like, hey, I think I need to go to the bar tonight. It's the craziest thing I've ever said in my life up to that point. And I've said some crazy things. And she said, I agree. And so I go, And I go and I sit down and I mess up the seating arrangement because I'm the new guy and I normally don't sit with them. And so then it it all gets messed up. And here's what happened. Because I went with who I had, because I was actually present in the moment and I let God actually work through me, I was able to help a man who had two sons who were dealing with some addictive issues um, with cell phones and substance. And he was there that night and he um, he was going to leave. He was going to leave his house and he was just going to disappear. And I was able to sit and talk with him and share with him about what God had did for me and how I'd helped other people overcome and just offer biblical advice, biblical counsel. It wasn't anything that I did. It was because I was willing to sit there. Because I was willing to go and be present and be uncomfortable, God was able to do something in that guy's life as a father, and it changed the course of his house. Now, because I was willing to go sit at a bar, now, hear me, this doesn't mean you should go to the bar. Okay, that's what the ignorant man will hear in this message. See, honey, I told you. He said I could go. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when Jesus was with sinners, never one time did he leave differently than he came into that conversation. I don't care where he went or sat. And I was just at a conference last week, and we talked about alcohol for almost an hour, and it was a bunch of people's opinion. I want to tell you what the Bible says. It says don't get drunk. That's what it says, period. It doesn't say don't drink. It says don't get drunk. So if you don't have the self-control to not get drunk, then don't do it. Don't do it. Keep and stay in the right frame of mind so God can do something in and through you that only he can do. Now, if you battle with this today, please see me afterwards. I want to give you some help. And so that's the story of God's presence in that moment, going with who I had. Now, I want to say this. There are four other instances that happened because I was willing to go and set. Three of those men's lives are changed forever because they now confess Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. They're watching right now, and they're actually reading their Bible, which is a big deal, okay? So then, here's here's the deal. This happened because I was willing to go, and something that was so counter to me and such a no-no, and really the antichrist to my life. Like, if you do that, that's the one thing that will ruin your whole life. Don't do that. And so I had to get over that to go. But God led in those moments. Now three men would say that Jesus is the Lord of their life because so. Here's what Matthew 28, 19 says. I'm going to paraphrase it. Go, make it better, build people. Use me to do it. Use the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to baptize people in those three things. Teach people to do everything I have told you. And do not worry, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. So God's presence is going to be with you until the world starts turning. Here's what that means. Here's what it always means. I will be with you always. Everybody say always. It means I'm here with you every day. I'll remain with you continually, regardless of circumstance, regardless of occasion, regardless of what you've done, I'm going to be with you. I will stay. I am with you always, and I will be here until the end. That's what always means. Now, when we receive salvation, this is the decision to become a follower of Jesus. Salvation. We cross when we start on a starting line to relationship with God, we learn to hear his voice only by engagement in that relationship. To learn to hear his voice, we have to seek him. We have to seek him. This happens through prayer and reading and worship and reflection. There's all types of spiritual disciplines. There's an envelope in your seat. By the way, um, I'm the administrator, so I enter your information in when you do this right now. If you would just do this, i have it automatically, okay? Don't be afraid of this. This, is, this doesn't go to the FBI or to the Secret Service or anything. This is a way for you to do this card on the internet, which is really great. It's actually a WUFU form. And so, so if you need to know how to take a next step with the Lord, grab that card and fill it out and drop it in the box. Once we hear his voice, we're called to do what it says. I have a friend that regularly says, read the New Testament and do what it says. That's what we're called to do. And so in all of that, he is with you. He is with you. This is the journey from salvation to Lordship. It's engaging in a relationship with Jesus. It's asking him to come into my heart and me actually willingly giving him my heart. This is receiving grace and walking in truth. This is the difference between going alone and going with him. It's giving him our heart. Now, aren't you glad I didn't assume that that, that you guys knew this already? That's what I'm, I'm really bad at assuming, a lot of things. Now, God put it on my heart and he spoke to me to go to the bar and he told me for six months and I disobeyed and i did not go. and so the moment i went what happened was i saw immediate fruit from my obedience to go. right? now what if i didn't? what if i wouldn't have went? are those three men different today than they were? well i'm not there anymore so i can't tell you. but i have to believe that because i went with who i had god did something miraculous. i have to. god's going to be with you regardless. but if i didn't go, i wouldn't know. and now that i do, i'm so glad that i did. go with who you have. go with who you have. Now, the reality is this, if he has my heart, I'm going to do his will. If he has my heart, I'm going to do his will, and that keeps me in his presence. Remember the two presences we talked about earlier. This is going with, this, with the flow of God's spirit in me instead of against the grain in my selfishness, right? His will is always greater than my way. It's a big point. His will is always greater than my way. When he's the Lord of my life, I can go willingly because he has my heart. And was like, oh, I really don't want to do that, but I guess I should because, well, it's been 40 days since I've done anything for the Lord. So it's not that. When God tells you to do something, which means he's put it on your heart, you know it. You know that you know that you know. It's much better to go. You're making the decision to go in his will as opposed to your way. Now, the opposite of that is willfully leaving his presence, choosing not to, Right? Choosing not to, I'll give you a great example of this. Heather calls on a regular basis, and, or she'll text and say, hey, can you pick up something from the store? Hey, can you pick up some quinoa on the way home? Which is just delicious. And now, if I just leave here and go straight home and forget the quinoa, that's one thing. That's not willing disobedience. That's not, that's not a decision I made. It's a mistake. It's just a mistake. And guess what? When I get there, oh, crud, I forgot that. Let me go get it. Now, if I leave here and say, I'm not getting quinoa. I don't like quinoa, right? I've gotten so much better. I don't like quinoa. I'm not getting that. And I go straight home. That is a willing decision to not do what I know we need to do, right? And so then the difference between a mistake and forgetting And choosing not to is a big deal. It's really the difference between making a decision to follow Jesus, to making the Lord your life, and making a decision to follow him, right? Now, with God, there are things that you need to do, right? You know that you need to do them. Don't treat the things that you need to do for God as disobedience or as obedience. I think that word has been just stretched to the max in 2022. Treat what you know you should do for God as doing something for the creator of the universe who remembered you. That's it. Well, if I don't do that, so I'm disobeying. No, no, no. The creator of the universe has something for you, and he's put it on your heart to do. Faith without works is dead. He's put it on your heart to do. So then do it knowing that this is the creator of the universe that asks you, okay? With God, there are things you know that you need to do. Treat it like you're doing it for the creator of the world. By the way, this is biblical obedience. Biblical obedience is love plus trust plus action. Salvation would be love. Lordship would be trust and action. Does that make sense? It's being, believing, and doing. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I now trust. Trust is a big deal. We all say we love God, but to say you trust God means he has your heart, right? Which leads to action. And so then, if you don't do what God put on your heart, and you get lost, and you wonder what's happening, a perfect rule of thumb is to go back to the last time you know God said something and start there. I have a funny story for you. In 2015, I had one of our ushers came up to me and said, Now, Pastor Dusty, the Lord told me in 1997 that he was going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, Crud. Terry, Terry's not watching. He's ushering a service right now. Crud, Terry. It's 2015 you should probably go back to 1997 because you dropped the ball there somewhere, right? That's it. If you're lost and confused and unsure, go back to the last time that God told you something and start there. Start there. And you'll find that the hill is not as steep, right? Took me a few times to learn that, by the way, so much so that we adopted this quote in our house. It's John Wayne. He says, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough okay? It's John Wayne, not me, but that's me. It took me so many times to realize this. I'm doing this in my way instead of the way that God has asked me to do it. I'm doing what Dusty wants instead of what the Lord wants. They're both really good. God's way actually works out better, okay? And so I say that in fun, but it's not recommended to go alone, and it's not recommended to go without God. Today, if you would say, I don't know what to do, and I'm not sure they'll ever hear from God, I just want to challenge you to give him your heart, give him your heart. And that's a process. It's not a decision to say, I need saved. It's, It's a decision and it's a daily decision. It's a daily walk that we walk with the Lord. And so then open your Bible, read the New Testament, do what it says. Now, I promise you this, if you give God your heart, if you will give God your heart and you'll start reading your Bible, jump in. If you don't know where to start, Start in the New Testament. That's what the book of Matthew, there's like a line, it's three quarters of the way back in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible today, grab it on the way out the door, please. They're free, they're for you, okay? If you'll do that, you'll begin to sense God's presence more in your life. And you'll lead in the world that you go into with greater confidence. I guarantee it. I know this because God created you to go with him. He created you to go with him. He wants the best for you and he wants the best for others with you. Matthew 11:28 28 says, come to me. You would say, Dusty, it's heavy today. It's hard and I really don't know if I can do that. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Do you know why you labor and are heavy laden? You're doing it without the Lord. You're doing it without God. You're in your way instead of his will. So if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Yoke is such a dirty word these days because that means work. It means dust in your face. It means sweat. It means ugh, right? Don't read it like that. This is what God wants for you. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, gentle and lowly in heart. If you'll do this, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, that yoke that we think that is heavy and burdensome is really easy and it's really light. And the burden of doing is exhausting, especially when it's disconnected from your heart, especially when it's in the way that you believe you need to be going, right? Right? When you've only prayed the prayer of salvation and you've not given your heart to God, what you sense is that this place, the church, and 80% of the world feels this way right now, the church is full of rules and rituals and routines and traditions and it's law. And so that's what we talk to our friends about and that's what we tell our friends about it. Now, if I ask you, is that what this place is about? You say, no, this is a place where we get real and we get better, okay? And so it's easy when we approach it like that to feel like it's too heavy to carry and we lose heart and we disengage and that's because we're only walking in a salvation faith, not a lordship faith, right? And Jesus in the scripture says, stop, stop, just give it to me, just give it to me. We quote this verse several times at night in in our prayer life, don't carry it. He says, I didn't tell you to. I didn't tell you to carry any of that. Instead, take my yoke and learn from me. Wow, learn from me, learn what? Learn to go with him. When you put a yoke, when you take my yoke, you're going with somebody. You have the presence of God with you, take my yoke. This is also how you become like Jesus because when you walk with him, you're gonna become who you surround yourself with. So more Bible time, the better it is for you. He says, if you do this, you're gonna find rest for your souls. It's not gonna be heavy because my will is way better than your way. And he can't tell you that you have to believe it, receive it and make a decision to walk, right? He only needs your heart. When he says, take my yoke, my yoke suggests work, but we should see it as an instrument of discipline. This is, this is a way to be better. This is a way to be better. It's a powerful guide for our thoughts and for our actions. It's for the way that we go, right? Taking the yoke of Jesus allows us to see things through his eyes, which is sometimes difficult because all we see is the stuff that's around us, right? The yoke of Jesus is all about heart and mind. It helps, uh, it helps to shape us in his image. He says that you were made in his image, and he formed you before the earth. He wants you to become like him. That's his goal for you. And so that it's not to work or to go through a routine or to continue tradition, but to become more like him, to become more like Jesus, and also to let him lead, to let him lead. A yoke is something that you share. That means you're with. Everybody say with. If I'm yoked with Jesus and he's walking next to me, there's a good chance. By the way, when you're yoked with somebody or you're, you find yourself there, somebody's gonna lead that. Otherwise, you're not gonna go anywhere. When I find myself yoked with Jesus, I immediately go, yeah, boss, you got it, boss. You lead the way. I'm, I'm with you. And guess what? Because he's leading, he shoulders the burden. It becomes easy and it becomes light because we're going with. It's the presence of God in our life. It's a beautiful picture of lordship because he has my heart. When I say I'll let you lead, you don't have a choice in the yoke. And what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to walk like that. Man, if you will, you'll find rest for your souls. And so the yoke of Jesus is never forced on you, by the way. Sometimes we look at it like that we look at oh wow, I just prayed the prayer, so now I guess I've gotta start trudging along. No, you don't. It's not forced on you. Lordship is not forced on you, neither salvation. Those are both decisions that you have to make. God's given you the power of choice, so we're not robots. And we're all thankful for that, right? Now making Jesus the king of your heart is not a have to either. So then, we each must make the decision to take the yoke, make him the Lord of our lives, the king of our hearts. Here's what happens. When you take the yoke, you will go with him. It's, It's the three things he says in Matthew 11 right here. Take my yoke. Come with me. Learn from me, which means the more that you learn, the more you become, right? And you'll find rest. You're gonna find rest. It's easy, it's light. Here's your action steps for today. Simple. We assume this so much in the church, it's silly. Believe, believe. Believe in Jesus, that's salvation. Believe in Jesus. Believe enough to accept the gift that God gave you with his son. Give, give your heart. I ask you to give money. Give your heart to God, that's lordship. When when I give him my heart, he becomes my Lord. And seek him. This means I'm gonna start following, right? I'm gonna go with him. To have more of God in your life, give him more of yourself. You don't get more of God ever. You have as much of him as you're ever going to have. He gets more of you. He gets more of you, it starts with your heart. (sighs) Truth in this, I'm gonna close with this story. When you, give more of your, when, you want, when you want more of somebody in your life, you give more of yourself to them. When I dated Heather, there some late nights. I would go on an hour of sleep sometimes because I wanted to be with her so much. I just had to be with her. I had to be with her. There was something about her. And the more I gave, the more we became. We finally get married just down the street here, about 45 minutes away, here's what happens. It's not that I didn't want to keep sucking the lips off her face because I really did. But when I got married and I got busy and I started working and we had kids and we had kids, I drifted away. And we made a decision to bring Heather home. And uh, I said, I'll make it up. I'll figure it out. I'll just work and I'll get an extra job in the morning and I'll get an extra job at night. And as a matter of fact, I can probably slip away for lunch and get a couple things done there and you come home. And so... That's what I carried. And that's why I would sit down at the dinner table and she'd be like, you wanna join us? we just lucky I'm here for dinner tonight, girl. And I saw, I saw that as she was the reason I had to work so much. That's what the ignorant, dusty Otis saw. But we made that decision together. And what happened is the first two years of Oscar's life, I would come and I was very disengaged. And what that led me to do, even though she was home, and she is amazing, by the way. But I would walk in after working all day and, and believing that, that because she was home, I, that was why I was having to work so much. But the reality is this, even if she wasn't home, I'd still be working just as much because I loved it. And I would come home and I would say, Phew. there'd be like one toy out, but that's like a catastrophe to me, okay? And I'd say, man, why is the, why why is the house such a mess? You've been here all day. The reality this is Heather has her priorities right. She was loving our kids. She was doing what she was supposed to be doing. And she could see our kids more than she could see the stuff in our house. Silly me, I could only see the stuff in our house. I just wanna come home and kick back and have a glass of sweet tea, right? And so the more that I did this, the more that it created distance and there wasn't presence. I wasn't present for her and it led her not to be present with me, right? And when I realized, and I'm so glad that God showed this to me, when I realized that what what I was seeing was the one thing that she didn't do that day, not the 47 things that she did. And when I started seeing the 47 things that she did, it made that one thing not matter anymore. And now I'm willing to walk in the house and I'm willing to let the sink be full of dishes at night, which like growing up for me, that was a no-no. Like, you know, that, that attracts bugs and all that stuff. And If you take care of your house, it really doesn't, Okay. And so I'll go to bed with the sink full of dishes and the living room full of toys because our kids are well cared for. Our kids are loved. You guys experience it in our kids when you see our kids. Wow, wow, it's because of her. She leads our house so well. She loves our kids so well. You've made the best decisions, always. Thank you for helping me. Here's what I realized. Her presence in my life is the one thing I need. I've got to have it outside of my relationship with Jesus. And to walk in and play the quiet game with her was stupid. It was stupid. You guys all know those times you're in a relationship. If you're married or you're in a good relationship, you know the times you walk in, and the best thing you can do is on the way past and say, screw you, and keep going, right? You know what I'm talking about. We've all been there in our relationships. And the time that I realized, one, I should probably start paying attention to all the stuff that she is doing because she's really loving and leading our house really well. She's doing so good. You do so good. You still do so good with five kids, which is insane to me, okay? You're a Proverbs 31 woman. You wake up before us, you go to bed after us, and you're up several times in between then. You live your life exhausted for us, for me. Thank you. Thank you. So, now, let me get back on track, stop loving on my wife. I don't highlight that or the things that she doesn't do anymore because being with her matters. It matters more than a a dumb toy on the floor. So, one, understand how much she gives. Understand how much God gives you. God gives you so much. Wake up grateful every single day. Wake up grateful every single day. Number two, Love living in his presence. Love living in her presence. I love it. I need it. We got to lay down and watch a movie last night for the first time in a long time. Come on, somebody, okay? What you bring is so special. What God brings to you is so special if you will get in his presence and stay in his presence. It means much more than anything you can ever do. It's not about a task. You're not gonna win God's approval by doing something, right? Living with her presence means she's with me. We're together, we're yoked together. We're two are agreed, they can walk together, right? So then, let me get out of here, to believe. The reality in this is this, you can come to church. I'm gonna take this back to salvation. You can come to church and you can pray and you can read your Bible, but that can be disconnected from your heart. God wants your heart. When you experience God's presence, you live your life differently. It's salvation, it's lordship, it's discipleship. What am I saying? Romans 10, nine, right? It's the action step, believe to believe you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. We're gonna pray a prayer in just a minute. To give your heart to him, that means I'm going to commit. I'm gonna take that yoke and we're gonna walk together because he's the Lord every day, not just Sundays, amen? And we're gonna seek him. Now to seek him is this, eliminate drive-through quiet times. I'll do it on the way to work, I'll do it here, I'll do it there, that's not gonna work. Quality time with God is always gonna trump how many times you talk to him. Because if you talk to him only when it's convenient for you, it's gonna be hard to get stuff done, okay? Your relationship with God is all that matters. It begins with salvation and it continues with lordship. You are the Lord of my life. So then going with Jesus, going with who you have, means Jesus is not just the savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. And your actions match your words. It's called integrity. And that allows people to see him. that's that overflow we talked about at the beginning of service. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.